Lord, we love you. We're grateful for all that you are doing in our community. We're grateful for the chance to be here as your people. You are the head. That's the way you describe yourself. We're the body. We are connected with you and led by you, but we don't know how. So Jesus, show us something practical tonight so we can all walk out of here knowing how to better be led by you, Jesus. And for that reason, we do pray in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Uh, Mark chapter two. For those of you who missed it, we got a podcast. You can download previous teachings. We ended at verse 22 of Mark chapter two. And so we'll start in verse 23. Go figure. We'll pick it up in the next verse. Uh, we're reading Mark two twenty-three. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to them, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, this is like this big line, so don't miss this. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. We'll just continue because we're going to read both of these encounters. Chapter 3, verse 1. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. We've been looking over the last couple of weeks in chapter two, beginning of chapter three, there are five encounters that Mark crams together. In chapter one, we know that Jesus is anointed by God with the message of good news to God's people. God's deliverance, his salvation is about to come. They don't recognize it's going to happen through the person of Jesus. So Jesus goes about spreading good news. But then Mark quickly tells us, chapters 2 into chapter 3, that he is opposed. For some reason, Jesus, the good news guy, is being slammed by the religious establishment. So we saw last week a couple of reasons. One was because of the, the people that Jesus ate with. You remember that in first century life, to be a Jew two things that the Pharisees picked up on that marked you out as a true follower of Yahweh, a good Jew. It was food. That was the first thing that marked you out. How you prepared your food, how you kept yourself clean ceremonially, who you ate with. Food was a big deal. And the second big marker for a Jew was the Sabbath and how you kept the Sabbath. So it is no mistake that Mark crams five stories. The first few are about food, and then the final one, final two, are about Sabbath. And that's what we're going to look at 
uh, tonight. Remember, the Pharisees, Mark contrasts Jesus with the Pharisees. They're the leading teachers of the day. They're the good guys. They believe the Bible. They believe that Israel is in judgment of God because they have not followed God. So the Pharisees, by their calling, they're not bad. They got the right idea. But Jesus teaches them and tries to teach us their approach was absolutely flawed. So we saw from last week that rather than using food as a tool to draw people into closeness with God, and that's what God gave food for, that we would have something in common, that we'd eat around a table, we would love one another, and in that share the good news. The Pharisees used food to keep people away. If you're not like one of me, I will not eat with you. And Jesus is going to do the same thing with the Sabbath tonight. He's going to oppose the Pharisees in the way they do Sabbath because they've missed out on the heart of God. Now, for some of you maybe new to the Bible, new to Jesus, new to church, saying, okay, you keep talking about the Sabbath thing. What in the world is the Sabbath? Good question. Um, I'm going to throw it on the screen. Uh, two verses from the Old Testament. Write them down. Genesis 2 is the first mention of Sabbath. If you know anything about the Bible, Genesis is book number what? <laughs> number one. Very good. And so all the way at the beginning, right after the creation of the world, which is Genesis 1, beginning of Genesis 2 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. It happened in six days. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Did God need a nap? No. Was God like exhausted? Like, wow, Hillsboro is so hard to create. No. But it says he stopped. Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy, which just means separate. Seventh day is different. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. All the way at the beginning of the story of God, you have the Sabbath. God creates. He not only creates the world, he creates a day. He creates time that will be marked out as holy. So most of the world religions have holy places. You go to a temple. You go to Mecca. You go to a place to experience the presence of God. But from the beginning, God, the creator, actually carved out something uh, greater than just space. He carved out time and made it holy. It, what, it's part of what makes our faith unique, the Jewish faith, and into that, the following of Jesus, the Christian faith. God marked out time as holy. There is a part of time that he wants to be treated separately for our good, not, not as a religious exercise, but for our good. So we're going to look at that tonight. Uh, Exodus uh, chapter 20 is another reading of it, probably more popular. So at the beginning, God said, I stopped. You're made in my image. Man and woman is made in the uh, created in the image of God. So I want you to do what I do. I want you to live like me. Stop. Treat part of time as separate and different. Well, obviously, they weren't doing it. <laughs> Every, just hear the rule and like, yeah, that's good for someone else. No, it's not good for me. So God, when he's giving Moses the law for the people of God, Israel, he includes the Sabbath as not just a mild suggestion, but for this group of people called Israel, it's now going to be a command. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Just what we saw in Genesis 2. Six days you'll labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath 
to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, your son, daughter, male, female, servant. Basically, you can't delegate because that's what we would do, right? I'm keeping the Sabbath. Now you work. <laughs> I had kids so I can have work, right? And so male, female, servants, your animals, or any foreigner residing in your towns. God covers it all. The day is to be holy for everyone, whether they're a God follower or not. If you're part of the people of God and they are connected with you, you need to treat this day special. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord, once again, blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this is God's worth. Now, it's quite simple here. Uh, what's the command? You're not to do what? Work. Uh, the problem is, how do you like define work, right? I mean, what's work for you may not be work for me. And so over the centuries, from the time of Moses, as people of God went into the land called Israel, as they grew, as they flourished, the rabbis, the teachers, the scribes, they began to define, because people, they couldn't talk to Moses. He had died long ago. Moses, what does it mean to work? You know, he couldn't tell you. So the teachers tried to describe it, and they came up with an entire series of oral, they just passed these down, traditions. Later on, this is written in what's called the Mishnah, about 200 years after the time of Jesus, these oral commands are written down because eventually they realized Jews were spread all over the world and we want to keep consistency of the law of God. Now, those who wrote down the Mishnah believed that at the time of the giving of the command of Moses, what's written, they believed that God had given these commands as well. They just weren't written down. I want you to hear that distinction. Those who followed the oral tradition believed that all of them were God's laws, whether written down or not. They just couldn't prove it, right? They just said, well, all these, these laws as well as Moses' laws. So in the law of God, in the Torah, the first five books, there are 613 laws. Wow, that's a lot, right? 613 rules for living given by God for the people of God. But by the time of Jesus these collection of oral traditions, these oral laws, had grown to 1,500 additional commands. So instead of the 613, the Pharisees, who again, good goal, that the people of God would follow God's ways. That's good. Except they not only held highly to the 613, which the Sabbath is a part of that, they also held to the oral traditions with equal weight. It is always dangerous, my friends, when we take what God has said and we take what we have said and we put them on even par. Tradition is not bad in and of itself, but tradition held up to the weight of God's written word is always dangerous. So in the first century, just like today, we're wrestling with what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Well, it's all written here, right? You want to know how to follow Jesus? Read the book. But how do I actually live that out? So we all have our traditions of how we think we're to live out the commands. So what they're experiencing is just exactly what we're experiencing. We want to follow God, and we don't know how. Now, it was very simple. God carved out six days for work and one day for rest. That's part of his creation rhythm. And we are at our best if we follow God, would you agree? 
You're at your peak performance if you follow God's design. If you disregard God, you may feel as though you're getting away with it. You're not. He sees everything. <laughs> you know, a little aside. Um, he sees it all. That's one. But secondly, God knows best. So when you try to buck God and his best, you're going to come up with second best if you're lucky. But most of us are going to suffer needlessly. And if you are stressed out, feel overworked, and like you just can't make it, it's go, 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 go. Tonight is going to be a thrilling message and reminder for you. Now, when it came to these laws, because the rabbis wanted to cover every angle, included in these 1,500 additional commands, they gave 39 classifications for work. 39. So whereas God simply said, don't work and rest like I stopped. I want you to worship me and stop. Just stop and, and enjoy all that I've made. There were 39 classifications of what you did work. Now, some of them were obvious. You're not supposed to plow and you're not supposed to hunt. That's how they lived. So those are the obvious classifications. But do you know, some of the uh, in included laws were you can't tie or loose a knot. So if your animal is tied up and it needs to be moved to like maybe get some grass or some water, you cannot loose or tie their knot because that would be work. You couldn't sew more than one stitch, which is awkward. You could do one, like, ooh, progress. You know, for the type A's, like, I, I need to do something. One stitch, but two is suddenly a sin. Uh, you couldn't write down more than one letter. So you could do an initial, and that's it. You couldn't walk more than 1,999 paces because when you hit 2,000, that's a journey. Suddenly you're on a journey. 1,998, you're safe. So they would mark out their travel to go up to the law, but no more. And so it had gotten ridiculous. So what Jesus is doing is actually brilliant. He takes them to the scriptures. I, I want you to notice how wonderfully sarcastic the Savior is. Because if you think like, oh, Jesus is always nice. No, he's not. He is totally sarcastic. How do I know that? I read my Bible. Look at what Jesus says when they say to him, verse 24, look, why are you doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, there was no law in the Torah against picking grain and having a little to eat if you're hungry. That's in the Mishnah. That's in the oral tradition. So you think, at first reading, you think Jesus is against the Bible. Jesus is somehow like breaking the law. No, he is not. It was don't do work. It was the mission of the oral tradition that said, you can't pick a grain and grind it in your hand. So Jesus says, he says to the, the Bible scholars, have you never read what David did? Do you not get the sarcasm? It's, it, it's like saying to someone who designs shoes at Nike, have you never seen the swoosh? Have you, do you know what the swoosh means? Do, do you need me to explain to you? Have, have you ever heard of Phil Knight? It would be like a slap in the face. And so in the same way, Jesus is sarcastic to the guys who taught the Bible and memorized the Bible. Have you never read about David? What David did when he, he and his companions were hungry and they were in need, what Jesus does is he quotes from 1 Samuel 21. We're not going to read it tonight. I encourage you to write it down and read the account. Uh, what Jesus could have done, it's so, he's so brilliant. He could have just said, 
Read Exodus 20. Where is it talking about grain? He could have just said Moses didn't bring up grain, so therefore uh, Yahweh was saying it's okay to, to take a little bit and eat on the Sabbath. But rather he goes to David. Why? Because Jesus is doing something that is subtle to us, but totally in the face of the Pharisees. David was the greatest king in all of Israel. But more than that, David epitomized what, uh, what kind of person was going to come and save all of God's people and bring in God's rule and God's reign. Messiah was going to be from the line of David. So people like the Pharisees who wanted Messiah to come and bring freedom. Jesus says, did you not read about David? David is a precedent. David went in, and if you don't know the story, let me just summarize. David went in and he was hungry and he went into the tabernacle and there was bread that was only supposed to be eaten by the priest. It was separated for God's priests and David is hungry and asked the guy, uh, Abiathar, would you give me the bread? And he gives him the bread and he eats and he breaks a law seemingly. He breaks a law out of his hunger. All Jesus is trying to say here is like, Haha, ha, David broke the law. I can break the law. I can do whatever I want. I'm Jesus. No, that's not what Jesus is doing. What Jesus is doing is what David did as God's representative, as God's king. I can now do because I'm from the line of David. I'm the son of man. Like David, the king had authority. Remember, all five of these stories are about what? Jesus and his authority. Jesus has authority over sickness. Jesus has authority over all the cleanliness laws. Jesus has authority even over the Sabbath. Jesus is the rightful king who is coming. He's saying to the Pharisees, if you read your Bible, you would know who I am. This is not subtle. Now for us, we don't get the nuance of it, but that's why he takes them to David and what he's doing. Then he says in verse 27, then he, he gets more blunt. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. They had missed out on the heart of God. They had missed out on the point. Sabbath is supposed to be about healing. Sabbath is supposed to be about blessing. Sabbath is the, to be the day where you don't have to produce anything. You just remember that God created you and he made everything. And for some reason, he's provided everything that we need. And I get to stop and watch God on display. And they had made it into this horrible thing that judged who's in, who's out. Notice, they are out journeying with Jesus. Journeying is against the Sabbath, but they're breaking the, the rules. Why? They feel like they're the police. So they're going and watching and counting the steps of Jesus and his followers, and they're seeing if they will break one of the rules. And that, my friends, is exactly what religion will do to anyone. You follow any religious path, and what it will lead to is you thinking you know more than everyone else and thinking you have it right and judging other people by whether they perform well or not. And Jesus is totally pro the scriptures, but he's anti-religion as they had defined it. He's for the ways of God and the heart of God. So Jesus upholds the Torah while arguing against their oral traditions. That is the key, my friend. The secret to unlocking the story is to know that Jesus is always for the 613. He is for all that God has said. He's the son of God. 
Jesus is the one who says, I'm not going to let one iota, not one little comma, not one little punctuation mark ever go away without being fulfilled from the law. He's totally pro the word of God, but he is against man-made manipulations that are supposedly going to keep us following God. Well, let's look at the second story because the second story really just highlights what Jesus is saying about how we live out the Sabbath. So if the Sabbath is a day of worship and rest, if Sabbath is meant to be a blessing, if, if man wasn't created to follow a list of rules, but rather the Sabbath was made for man, verse 27, son of man is Lord, even master over the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, I can show you how to live out God's best. And let me tell you, my friends, if there's ever a message that you and I need to really think about, need to really contemplate, need to really embrace, it's what Jesus is saying here. There is a liberating rhythm that God has made us for. And you could be a follower of Jesus. Now, somebody's saying, well, I, you know, uh, Sabbath was just an Old Testament thing. It, it, it isn't in the New Testament. Therefore, I don't need to deal with it. Well, we're going we're gonna to look at that a little more carefully here. It is true. There is no New Testament teaching on the Sabbath. Of all the Ten Commandments, it's the one that's not mentioned. We'll get to why in a minute. But don't throw out the good because of the laws. God has good for us. Now, what is it? Um, verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Another time Jesus goes through the synagogue and a man with a shriveled or a withered or a shrinking hand was there. So there's a guy in need. Some of them are looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if they were healing heal Sabbath. Notice the contrast. Jesus is about doing good, giving life, and there's a bunch of people around him waiting for him to break some iota of their code. And they wanted to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. So Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of them. This is the first time you see Jesus is usually responding to people's criticism. Now Jesus initiates a fight. <laughs> I love it. He's like, all right, enough of this. He says, all right, to so the guy with the withered hand, because he knows what they're thinking. He sees what they're doing. Are right, you with the withered hand, stand up. And he's going to prove a point and show us the heart of God and what it means to Sabbath well, he says to the man standing up in front of everyone, verse four, then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath? And then he goes to his accusers, to do good or to do evil? Like, duh, right, you know, is it okay to do evil on the Sabbath, Pharisee? No, I mean, obviously Sabbath is about good. It's about remembering that God has given us enough. It's about stopping and being grateful and enjoying, Right? He says, which is to do good or do evil? And that's really about the man. So it's a two-part question. The first part is, all right, is it okay to do good for him or to do evil? Notice the subtle, sarcastic Jesus. His hand is withered. By the way, he can't go to temple because he has a deformity. He's not able to worship in Jerusalem and go to the temple sacrifices, the big holy days. He's excluded because the deformity is seen by the Pharisees as a judgment of God against him. Somehow he sinned and God's judged him. So he has a withered, shrinking hand. And he says, what's Sabbath about? Doing good for him or doing evil? His implication 
is their heart is so callous that they want to withhold God's good from him, which is evil. Whenever you and I know the good that we should do and hold back, what is that? That's evil. It shows the intent of our heart. When we know the right and we don't do the right, that shows evil in the heart. And so Jesus exposes their evil heart and says, what's God's heart? Good for him or evil? God's heart is good, and so he releases him from his misery even on the Sabbath. Do you know on the Sabbath, according to their rules, the only thing you could do is save a life. So if I were to fall and break or dislocate my hip, you could take me out of the pit so I don't dehydrate, but you couldn't reset my hip because that would be work. So let me suffer and scream all day long. And on the next day, you can reset my hip because that's lawful. It's work on the other's days, but you can't do work. He's like, your heart is evil. So withholding prayer, Pharisees, religious leaders, rather than praying for God's miraculous activity in his life, you're thinking evil and you're letting him suffer on the Sabbath. And then the second one is more about Jesus. To save a life, notice what it says here, what's right to do? To save life or to kill. Again, subtle, sarcastic, Jesus. Jesus is about saving people's lives. What are they out to do? Mark tells us they're gonna team up with the Herodians and try to kill Jesus. He exposes the evil in their heart. They just missed the heart of God. So, uh, but they remain silent. And to which I include in the, the New Living Translation, duh. Sorry, Jim, it's not really in there. But like, who's going to stand up to Jesus? Why? What does Jesus do? He looked at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. If we were to look at this in Greek, these three words are used only on this one occasion by Mark in all the gospel. It shows the pit of despair. His heart for them is broken and he's mad at their stubborn hearts. They didn't have an open mind. They weren't open in their soul to God doing something. All they knew was what they knew and they didn't want anymore. And don't you find that happening in your own following of Jesus? Have you ever gone to a church that did something a little different and said, Wow, that's a little strange. He just got up in the middle of a song and started reading a psalm. That doesn't, that doesn't, couldn't he wait till the song was over? I was kind of getting into the song. Like, you know, and, and how come the kids are out? Shouldn't the kids be in here the whole time? Uh, the answer is no. And you're like, you know, and, 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 or what about that, you know, that loud rock and roll music? Should you do that in church? Where I grew up, it used to, we, what we do is we filter things. And if we're not careful, we're like the Pharisees. We filter them through our rules rather than the heart of God. And the heart of God is for blessing. The Sabbath was made for man. What is Jesus saying? God created a separate time just to be blessed by God. Where you don't, you're not distracted by stuff. You're not distracted by work. You're not distracted by producing. God wants us to have time where we just get to enjoy his goodness. Now, how many of you would think that this guy enjoyed Sabbath from now on? <laughs> He's like, bring it on, because what does Jesus do? Wow, I just about leaped. I don't know if you caught that. I caught air. I'm so kind of giddy about this. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. 
He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Wouldn't you just love to be there? I mean, did it snap, crackle, pop? Like, was there noise? I mean, every movie has sound effects. You know, like, if you notice, if I were to hit you, it wouldn't be that loud. I wouldn't hit you because I like you. But, but in a movie, it's like, you know, like they, so I'm wondering, did it go, we don't know. But everyone who has the heart of God is rejoicing. Look at the, look at the Pharisees, verse six. Then the Pharisees went out to begin to plot with the Herodians how they might kill him. We can miss it. We can miss the heart of God. And so tonight when we think about what Sabbath is and what Sabbath means for us, you need to know this. When your heart is off, your actions will usually follow. This is not about rules. This is not about regulations. Jesus is exposing his authority even over the hearts of men and women. So you need to know this. If you choose to really follow Jesus, he's not just interested in good Christian behavior. He's not interested in that you put on your Sunday best and look good when you're here. He is after something deeper. He's after your heart. And embedded in the 613 commands in the Torah, it's about keeping right heart towards God, right heart towards others. They're meant to be God's design guideway for my heart to stay right. And so there are laws about do's and don'ts, but the do's and don'ts don't make me right with God. The do's and don'ts judge my heart. You just need to know this. In the first century, no Jew was keeping Sabbath to somehow impress God. They believed that they were the called ones of God and God had given his people a day of rest. It's what marked them out as the people of God. And the Pharisees had blown the very identifying mark what marked them out was male circumcision, ouch, and Sabbath, and the community keeping Sabbath. In the middle of a pagan culture that worked seven days a week, slaves worked seven days a week, the Jews would stop on God's day to remind themselves and the culture around them, I am not an animal. I'm a human. I was made in God's image, and therefore my God who stops to rest and enjoy and reflect on the beauty of the world, I don't have to overwork. I can stop. They were to be a witness to the culture around them. What would it look like if we rediscovered this beautiful rhythm called Sabbath? Can we work harder? Is it humanly possible for the American culture to try to squeeze more out of 24 hours a day seven days a week. The fact that Subway has to be open 24, do I really need a tuna fish sandwich at 3.30 a.m.? The answer is yes. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Is that you? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, poke it. I know. <laughs> but do, do, we, do we really need because it's true. If we could just do everything in three shifts, hello, Intel friends. If we could do everything in three shifts, then, then the machines never have to stop and we could be more efficient. And, and productivity is a blessing. But overproductivity in the mindset of being efficient and good will lead us to an early grave and missing the heart of God. You and I are not a donkey or an elephant or a rhino or a puppy. 
You're a human made in the image of God. And with that, God has given us boundaries for life. Now they missed it and made it all about rules. And, and so Jesus rebukes the culture that he's living in. He upholds the Torah. He upholds the law of God while rebuking the man-made system that was self-destructive. Now, the reason we don't talk about Sabbath and we skip over passages like this is because what is Sabbath for us? None of us keep it. As a matter of fact, we buck it and we, like, we don't understand. It was like, it was this thing and it was Jewish and I'm not one of them, so therefore I don't do that thing. But let me just suggest to us that from the beginning of time, God wanted us to have this gift. Not a rule, not a law, not a have to, but a gift. Three things I just want us to see tonight about Sabbath and maybe we'll begin, begin the dialogue, get us thinking and, and, and moving in this direction. If you're a note taker, write this down. Number one, Sabbath is a day for, for worship and rest. God stopped and he wanted his people to stop. And remember in Exodus 20, it was remember the Lord your God who gave you Sabbath. The day was never about the day. The day is about remembering God. God did not have to stop, but he wanted a model for us what it means to be created in his image. And so, so most of us haven't seriously thought that this would be helpful. But I want to suggest to us that we really need to rethink this. As a matter of fact, and if we did this right, we could actually engage our culture and teach our culture how to live in a more healthy way. When's the last time that you crafted in your rhythm a day for worship and rest? Now, I'm not talking about a day off because that's not the same thing. As a matter of fact, that's the second point is Sabbath is more than a day off. It's not the same thing as a day off because a day off is exhausting. Is it not? Our day off is to get as much done so I can go back to work. Our day off is about cramming but notice that Sabbath in the way God designed was not about a different kind of productivity. So I work for the man six days a week and I get my day or my two days and those are my days to do what I want. That's missing the heart of God. Sabbath was always about stopping, worshiping. Now so some of your, your mind's zipping like, well, how in the world do we, do we live this out? Let me just give you the third thought and we'll just try to flesh it out. Sabbath is wisdom and it's not a command. So this is the tricky part. The, for, for the people of God, for Israel, for before the coming of the Messiah, for the first covenant, it was a command. But we don't see it repeated by Jesus as command. We don't see it repeated by any of the apostles or the church fathers as command. So from the beginning, it takes us back to full circle. Remember, Genesis 2 was before the law of Moses. Sabbath is a good thing. Then the law comes for the people of God, Israel, and it heightens. In the coming of Jesus, I think it goes full, full circle, 360. And it goes back to the heart of God in Genesis 2. It is good for us. It is wise for us. Um, it's not a law. Uh, that you should exercise. No one's going to say, hey, you haven't exercised today. You know, therefore, go to jail or pay a fine. Maybe in the state of Oregon we can come up with such things, but that's not a law. Would you say that exercise and eating well is wise? Would you agree with that? It's wise. It's not law. For some, it becomes law. 
And you can hurt yourself by imposing all of these laws and over-dieting, over-exercising. It can become a god to you, but 99.9% .9 of us don't have that problem. So don't go like, oh, no, I don't want to take a Sabbath because I may hurt myself. You know, no, 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 no. Most of us need to reestablish a rhythm of wisdom. So what does that look like for us? It starts by choosing a day. Let's just say you work five days a week. Most of us have to work six. But say you worked five, it would be saying, okay, there's nothing wrong with the honeydew day. The honeydew list, we got to do all your honey says to do. That's okay. But you should carve out one day a week and talk about it if you're in relationship as a family. That this is Now, for many, it's Sunday. For me, this is not a Sabbath day. This is the day for me to sweat profusely and stress out till I'm done and hang out till 9 to 10 o'clock and be so wired I can't fall asleep. This isn't a Sabbath for me, but Friday is. So Friday is our Sabbath. Now, I am going to give you a disclaimer. I am really bad at this. I am really, really bad by nature because I've allowed 40 years of bad rhythm. I love to work. And the only thing better than work is more. And more and more and bring it on. And that's okay, but that will get me in trouble. So God designed space, time, that I don't have to. Now, I can disregard God and be unwise and lose peace and lose joy and lose health and lose vitality. And so Friday is our Sabbath day. And how do you do this with kids and school and all of that? Uh, we're learning so that we're newer at this. So when the kids are in school on Fridays, uh, for one thing, I don't answer email on a Friday. That's, that's my day. Now, some go as far as to turn their phone off completely we don't have a house phone and you got kids at school and what if something happens? So we do keep our phone off, but I turn off all of my email and we look for life-giving, reinvigorating things. So I can't give you commands because wouldn't that be great? Here are your 10 rules for being free on your Sabbath. It'd be counterintuitive. But I can say that we're learning, so I need less technology. Let me just suggest to you, you need less technology one day a week, where you just turn it off and say, I, am, I, I do not need to see your Vine and your Insta video and see if they're different. We are in a media-saturated culture that's beautiful. I can have the whole world and my good friend Google all in the palm of my hand, right there. And it could be a phone too, wow! But do you find that your phone has you rather than you have your phone? Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. And the problem with the world that we live in is we fall into the, the wheel, the little, it's not a mouse. What is it, a gerbil, a rat? What is it? The ger what is it? Hamster. Hamster, there you go. They're all rodents. Spinning on the wheel. And you put them on, they're like, hee, hee, hee. and he just spins and spins and spins. I got a new app. Wow. I got a new, a new app. Wow. Wow. And then we realize, this is dumb. <laughs> and this isn't life-giving. And why am I more stressed out? As I continue to do this like a weirdo. Anyway, Jesus' heart for you is a balance, rhythm, where you stop. So what do we do on the Sabbath when, when the kids are in school? Well, we do, so I get up a little early and have my time with Jesus. And I like to run, crazy, 
And so go do some exercise. That's life-giving for me. If it's not life-giving for you, don't do it. It is a day where you can, together as a family, look at the things that cause worship and rest. And those are the guiding principles. So for you, if it's extra exercise, you carve out an extra bit of time. If that's life-giving, you say, Jose, that's from the devil, then avoid it. It may be that Sabbath for you is a day to do no exercise, but non-negotiable Sabbath for the people of God was always a time to eat and enjoy and relax and eat of the abundance. So, so if that's maybe prepare it all the day before and, and take it out of the freezer and heat it up so that you don't have to work on the Sabbath, you don't have to struggle with doing the dishes, if that's life-giving for you, do it. If it's like, no, I want to get all fresh ingredients and super organic on top of organic and make this abundant meal— Again, what's life-giving for you? I'd recommend avoiding fast food on the Sabbath because that's another story altogether. That's probably not the best thing for us anyway. The point is life-giving. It causes you to stop. It causes you to relax. It causes you to be grateful. If you can find the things, and as a family unit or a couple or with your kids, remind each other that you are not a machine but you're made in the image of God and it's okay to stop. As a matter of fact, God wants you to stop. That's the heartbeat of God. Well, before we begin to like think this out, and I encourage you, maybe as you stay afterwards, we encourage you to stay and as you're talking over a meal, I would encourage you maybe Maybe chat it through at your table if that makes sense. Like, hey, have you ever tried this before? Most of us, this is so brand new we don't even know where to begin. Uh, I'd encourage you to start with a day. And as you start the day in God's presence, ask him, God, I want to honor you with this time. Help me. I've had plenty of stumbles. I've had good, like, good three weeks in a row. And then like, well, I blew that. I, I think I worked harder on the Sabbath. And it's okay. Just wipe yourself off. No guilt trip. Next week, I'm going to give it a go again. Sometimes it's hyper-relaxing. Sometimes because of the madness of life and schedules and travel, I don't do it all that well. I'm not going to be a Pharisee. I'm not going to burden myself or you with guilt and rules, but I'm rather going to call you, I'm going to call myself to a rhythm that God started at creation. Work a lot, then rest. Three things going on in the story, and we're going to go to the table. I'm going to invite the band to come back. Three things are actually going on. Number one, it's about Jesus and his authority. The stories are about Jesus. Jesus rules. Two, it's about a heart that is not in line with the heart of God and Jesus, and that's the Pharisees. So tonight, I hopefully you've seen a better view of who Jesus is. That's the goal of the gathering. The whole thing is about Jesus. Tonight, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, let me implore you, forget about the Sabbath. You'll learn that over time. Start following Jesus. Don't leave here like a Pharisee who thinks they're okay with God because they follow a few rules and do a few American religious traditions, but rather fall in love with the one who created you. Get to know this Jesus. When we, when we worship at the end, we always invite people to begin following Jesus. And tonight, if that's you, start by following him. Take the first step. Say, Jesus, I am sorry for my things, for the things that I've done. I'm sorry for my sin. I repent. Jesus, take me back. I want to follow you. So yeah, it's about Jesus and his authority. It's about the Pharisees in their heart. Uh, but I think on top of all that, 
It's about life. The man with the withered hand was not experiencing life as God had fully intended. And Jesus comes and gives him life. So there may be a situation right now where you feel like that guy. You may be here in the middle of all these nice, wonderful people, but you're like, Jose, you don't know me. I've got this withered hand. You don't know what's going on. It may be physical. For most of us, it's not. It's this thing that's shrinking my joy. It's sapping the life. It's the thing I can't shake. It's the thing where I need God to intervene. Whatever that is for you, you need to know tonight, Jesus is present and here and active, and he wants to breathe life into that situation. So tonight the invitation is yes to Sabbath and balance and wholeness, but it's really to Jesus who gives life to those who ask him. So when we get up in a moment and we, we stand and worship and sing, the band's gonna come now. Um, when we do that, this is your opportunity. As we sing these songs, I invite you by faith, like this guy here, when Jesus says, you stand up, when you get up, you get up in the presence of the Lord Jesus himself. And yeah, we don't see him, but we know he's here by the Spirit. And you just invite Jesus to deal with that situation. You place your faith in Jesus, whether it's for that child that's rebellious or whether it's for that impossible situation in your marriage or whether it's for that physical thing that's a struggle day in, day out. Jesus is alive. Would you agree? And he's here and he wants to move, not just tomorrow or next week when you Sabbath. He wants to deal with life in the now. So we invite you now. Receive and be blessed by this Jesus. Lord, we love you. We're grateful that you're at work all over the world. Yes. All over this country. Yes. All over the city. Yes. But you're at work alive right here. And so Jesus, we want to respond with hearts that are full of faith. We want to respond with a posture that is grace-filled where we're just open and willing to receive from whatever you want to give. We don't want to be like those Pharisees. We don't want to resist your movement. We don't want to miss the opportunity to be blessed because we're looking for who's doing it right, who's doing it wrong. Oh, Jesus, just come and deal with our heart. And if you've got my heart, Jesus, the rest is going to follow. Jesus, come and, come and deal with our heart. In your great name, amen.